All right, Clay. So here we are with the final episode of Star Trek Picard's second season. And uh, before we start recording, I'm usually up here just kind of screwing around on my computer looking at stuff, and I go to the memory alpha, and I kind of breeze through the memory alpha. I look mm. at some of the patron comments. I review Discord and everything. And uh, I got to the memory alpha, and I started clicking around, and I clicked into Adam Soong's memory alpha page, right? Mm. Tell me tell me if th- there's a blurb here that just shocks me if this was actually mentioned in any of the episodes and I didn't I did not hear it or something. So it says in his quest to find a cure for Corey, Soong partners with Spearhead Operations, a private military organization to conduct illegal genetic experiments on homeless veterans. Is that what happens in this show? What? That's <laughs> These activities were exposed to the public in January of 2023, drawing condemnation. Some media outlets called him a mad scientist. When Soong attempted to solicit support for his research from the California Medical Board in 24, he was judged to have been violating the Shenzhen Convention. I remember that. I do not remember anything about homeless veteran genetic experimentation. So... No, I, uh, I was reading some other thing that he has, he has, we're we're off off and running on, does he have any kind of ecological technology that is undone by the organism they find on the moon? Uh, I I read that. I I read that, that, like the hint that the reason he was going to take over in this totalitarian thing was because he had technology that was going to clean up the world, but make him in control of it. But this organism does it for free, basically. Yeah. Does so any I, of this happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, the only ecological thing that I recognized was that the um, in the the evil future, the thing, the force field around the Earth seems to be the same technology as his drone technology that he. He keeps Corey protected from the sun. Okay. With. But okay. aside from that, no, that's everything that you've just talked about is stuff that was must have been in like the, the character Bible, but they never talk about it. Um I one could argue that like it doesn't matter, so why do they need to bring it up? Well, but if you introduce him as yeah. violating the Shenzhen protocol or whatever, but you don't establish what that is. I was wondering I if in the newspaper clippings like montage scene, if they said that's yeah. what he was doing in that paper and someone had to freeze frame it and read. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I would say probably yes. If that's information that they drew from the show, it's probably in there, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, Tight ship. <laughs> Tight ship over here, guys. <laughs> we're going to be talking about all episode. We're going to be talking about how tight this show is and how, man, they just they threaded five needles to round this baby out. <laughs> here we are with, let me get the hell back because I was down the, the rabbit hole of Soong. I was up Soong's hole. Uh, we're at the farewell <laughs> episode of Picard. It is the 10th episode of the second season. Came out on May 5th, 2022. May the 4th be yesterday, written by Christopher Monfett and Akiva Goldsman, directed by Michael Weaver in Universe Date 2024. In this one, 
called Farewell, with just hours until the Europa launch, Picard and the crew find themselves in a race against time to save the future. They do. Um, I think my intro for this one is uh, that there's a concept... There's a concept that, and it kind of it colors my entire take on this one because I, I I really find myself floundering for how to discuss this show and what to talk about. And I think the reason is because there's a concept. I don't know if Stalin invented it or something, but uh, author, oh authoritarian go. governments tend to use, and Russia uh, currently tends to use, which I don't know if Stalin called it this, but it's called like flooding the the zone with shit is the idea behind it, <laughs> okay. which is that in a information, when you control information, the way to keep a population docile and confused is to flood the zone with shit that no sure. one can tell what is true or not. You just give so mm -hmm. much information that people become overwhelmed by it and they kind of give up trying to sort out what's actual reality for themselves. Right, right. And I find that this show just floods the zone with shit. It just gives you so much stuff that it's all terrible. But if you want to come to this podcast and you want to hear me pick out what each thing is terrible for, I can no longer remember why everything <laughs> is so terrible because there's so much terribleness. And I just don't know. I can't even, I don't even know really where to start because everything yeah. is wrong. Everything is bad. And all you can do is have a podcast like this where you just go, all of this was shit. And then someone will say, this is actually a pretty good show. And you go, no, it's all shit. And they go, well, if you can't spe specifically come up with a problem, then you're just right. being negative about the show. And I am like, well, it's just too much. I'm, I'm, they flooded the zone with me. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease something I want to talk about a little bit later is that you're 100% right. However, I, as I was watching it, I found a fix for the show, for the entire show. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't make it... Um, better perfect. <laughs> no it would it would make it better yeah it would make it better it wouldn't make it perfect but it would make it feel like anything we had just spent our time doing for the past 10 weeks was actually worth something instead of worth nothing right um and uh when we get to our when we get to the area in our discussion uh then i will i will tell you what it is because i don't i don't want to start there no. Um because I do want to talk about the other stuff. So uh That's stay fine. tuned if you want to hear what the answer is. We'll hear we'll hear um, Clay's solution to Picard season two at the very end when we get through the uh through this discussion. Did, but did you have yeah, anything else? Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh Yeah, I just also don't really know where to start. I mean, I first of all, like all of the bandying about of trying to explain timelines and stuff clearly meant nothing. Sure. Uh, Surprisingly, this, they defended yeah. something so hard that you it makes it's the it's the flooding the zone thing. They make me believe that this actually matters, and at the end, it's like, well, none right. of that actually matters, really. Yeah, because okay, so this show, I I feel like even Discovery doesn't do go quite as hard in this direction, but what this show is is um, emotion at the uh, uh, sacrifice of of plot. So like the the plot doesn't matter. All that matters is the scenes where people connect with each other and have emotional high points, whether or not they are earned, because most of the time they're not. Yeah. But this finale just goes to show you they don't care about the story. They don't care about the plot of the story because they're they're banking on the emotions of the characters and the emotional change of these characters being enough 
to uh, carry you through it. And boy, did they pick the right audience for that kind of show. <laughs> but, but like, I think it feels this episode just really sums all of that up because you have these emotional scenes between characters, whether it's uh, Talon dying or um, Picard and the Q. scene Picard and Q. That would at least. It's it, built entirely on history. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. built entirely on history. And like uh, that, that scene by itself was once again the biggest um, <clears throat> tick in the, in the column of they should have just had this be Picard and Q hanging around talking to each other. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but like um, uh, Talon dying, uh, the Talon and Rene Picard scene, um, the Wesley Crusher scene. Mm hmm. All of this stuff is just like um, raw emotion with, tethered to nothing narratively. Right. They're, they are using this idea of Star Trek and this idea of story solely in service of the emotional crap they're trying to shovel on you. Um, and so when you get to the end and you they everybody returns back to the the future and you're like wait a minute what did they even do i don't even know what they did like gerardi is the queen so she didn't come from a different timeline she's just been out there for 400 years yeah. so now the other gerardi's just gone off the ship yes and so like what i so it's all just like i i think they're they're leaning with that stuff the temporal stuff they're leaning on like well you know it's time travel who's to say how things really shake out. It's like, well, if you're playing that, if you're playing the ball of who's to say how things really shake out, uh, as long as we get to emotional connection, then you shouldn't have a you have to fix the timeline element be the point of your show. Right. Yeah. You can't you can't assign weight to something technical, and then when you get the end, get to the end, go, eh, fuck it. Nobody gives a shit. They just want to see. <laughs> Gerardi and Picard smile at each other again, you know? She wanted to be with her friends, yeah. Well, it's just like the, the whole show is like that, where it's just these... And they do the same thing with canon, too, right? Like, you you know me, we've, we did three seasons of Discovery, mm. where I was like, yeah, canon, whatever, you know, I don't think they need to be slaves to it or whatever. But in this show, they are actively just fucking with it mm -hmm. and picking and choosing what they want but only using it up until it serves their purpose and not considering it as a whole for instance rios stays in the past yes and when uh picard goes and talks to guinan about it guinan <laughs> says she remembers talking to picard in 2024 but the picard of 2024 was talking to a different guinan from a different timeline yes Yep. And so, and then off of there, right? So you've already established that, like the stuff we were talking about before, of that every all the people on the show went so hard against. Where it's like, well, you know, it still happened that they met each other in the 1800s, but that's just in a different timeline. That clearly was bullshit. Yeah. Um, but the other thing there is, she's explaining. He's like, "What happened to Rios? How did how did he and the woman die? Oh, she died of old age. This is 2024 when when he's stuck in 2024." Um, <laughs> He di she died of old age. He died in like a bar fight. Yeah, over <laughs> over some uh, some medical supplies after they um, teamed with 
Rene Picard to fought, to use this the sun uh, thing. The sun invented technology. Oh using yeah, the sure. Amoeba. The yeah, su- yeah the, whatever, whatever. Blah 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 blah. They help save the planet. World War Three starts in two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did they have time to say the whole genesis of the Star Trek timeline and like everything is? Yeah, World War Three happened and it basically threw us into the dark ages until Zephyr Cochran fucking invented warp travel. Right. Yep. So, like, uh, interestingly enough, he, she doesn't say how the son died. Maybe he died on the front lines. I don't know. But, but they were it's in just the jungles like they, of Mexico in that picture. Maybe it just wasn't, you know, yeah, it wasn't true. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's so much of this stuff where it's like, we're going to use this element of, of Star Trek history to serve the purpose of what we're doing. And then once it doesn't serve that purpose, we're just going to forget that it exists. And yeah. it's just the same with the plot of the show. We're going to use these different elements to move these things along so you can get from emotional scene to emotional scene. But when it comes to actually making any kind of narrative sense, we're just going to go, ah, it doesn't really matter. that You, you cried, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't cry. No, I didn't cry either. But that's the... So, I mean, the, the counter here to that point would be to say, is there anybody in their right mind who thinks you can structure a show that way, where it's just a scene that is divorced from anything that comes before it, but is played for emotion? Is there any way... Can any master director showrunner, the top of their game make that into a series that anyone is going to think is anything special at that point? Can Is that even possible to do narratively with the best cast and the best emotional scenes that you're building? Because it's all disconnected from anything, and you're not allowed to build to a way... Like, the, the, I think what's going to happen is that this has potential to be one of those series when i when i move on from it in a couple of years and i look back i'm going to have a weird fake happy nostalgia about q and picard's final scene with each other right it's not right. going to be accurate to what happened but it's just based on the fact that i know that those two characters exist and they have a relationship and this is the final time that they talk to each other and i'm going to look back on it and go oh that was kind of nice but it was not nice. It was terrible. And there's no, there's no way that a, a person who's unfamiliar with this stuff cannot watch this show and think that this is satisfying in any way. Because I think right. you would be completely lost about any of this. Like Q's involvement is so tertiary as to mean nothing. And you would be left wondering, like, why does Picard even care about this guy? Like, who, yeah. what is this? How do you not, how do you not focus on it? Even, even in their big scene, he's like, why me? And Q's like, I don't know. Uh, you seem nice. <laughs> he, gives him the, he gives him the post blowjob hand on the face thing. And it's like, well, you know, you just, I, I like you a lot. I don't, I don't know what the hell. I mean, I, I still feel like, I guess Q's is a good place to start. What is what was Q's plan this entire time? No fucking clue. No fucking clue. Why is he so Why angry? Why was he so mad? <laughs> Why was he so mad at Renee Picard? Why does he have that scene where he's like talking to her from across the room like she's it the, the a reckoning is coming to destroy her? And like he's I I don't know. I and like I I don't understand. I don't understand why he 
harbors any ill will towards her at the beginning of the season. Or Picard. And, or at the very start, why does he say this is a penance? It's it's not a penance. There's nothing it's it's no. this fake it's this fake writing style these shows use that they do not they they really just don't respect the audience and they think that it's fair game to just shift motivations, to hide motivations and make it mysterious and then reveal actually None of the behavior that you saw before makes a lick of sense in context as to what Q's actual plot was here. Yeah, and Q is central to my fix, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. We'll get but there. We will be. Any, I mean, um, that's that's the that's the thing about that's. I don't know if there's anything else to say about Q. He's in it so little. He is a major component of this, but. The beginning, he's angry. It seems like he's plotting something. He's doing something. He doesn't have powers. He can't do anything until the very end. He's like, no, I'm actually teaching you a lesson. I'm making you a better person. I also have powers now. So here we go. Right. We're just going to wrap the show up. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I understand the idea that maybe he was saving. Yes, the you final know, he's bit got, of juice. He's got the power for yep. one. <laughs> he's like, oh, thank God I don't have to take five of you because I could... Yeah. Four I can do. Five, I no way. You, we never getting back. Little wishy washy. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's he's all over the place. I don't know why he starts fucking with Adam Sung. I don't know why. Like, why did he set Soji free? I mean, I guess he set her free in order so she could delete all of his stuff because he doesn't keep any backup drives. Apparently, but is that even uh, Q's part of? Is Q even interested in Soong at this part? You know, no, like why no. he shouldn't really care. This is all about, for better or for worse, this is about fixing Picard. And I don't understand what he's trying to do with Soong, whether or not he's trying to start World War III or this totalitarian nightmare, or he's trying to prevent it, or what he's trying to do. It's extremely unclear about what he's but what's it does, going on. Wes, you're, you're missing the point. Mm. Because that, don't you remember how exciting it was? when Picard set the ship to explode and then Q saved him from that. <laughs> Don't you remember how exciting that was? <laughs> the emotion that that stirred in you? That's been that, that first scene where they're talking to each other mm. when he's just yelling at Picard, talking about <laughs> penance and these dark things. Didn't you find that exciting? It was exciting. I was, I was very excited for the logical conclusion of that story to come around. I think that was the first and, episode. And and weren't you weren't you equally as excited when the wrap up to that story about Q dying was just him snapping his fingers and just not being in the show anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty exciting too. I have to admit, I, I it's 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 strange, and I guess it ties into another good place to go to is the Wesley Crusher scene. Um, yes, which is embarrassing. I think, and completely, in a show that had any self-respect would have cut that out immediately on first pass and been like, what is this? That scene felt like one of those like 1950s army recruitment videos (laughs) where the guy walks up to the the kid standing outside with the pamphlet and he's like, you know, son, joining the army can be the best thing that you could do with a young life like yours. And then the kid's like, the army? What's that? Do I get to go to faraway places? You sure do, son. You do. You get to go overseas. You get to slap the Germans around, and all your best gals back home will love you for it when you get back. One- wow, that sounds like a great way to spend my 18th year on this planet. I can't wait to go away and then come home without a scratch on me, mentally or physically. One time, visited a whorehouse, left, 
<laughs> Forget about all those kids. That was a real disaster. So first off in the army you'll be the one getting the clap <laughs> this a single clap for this show there's um will wheaton i know nothing about i find him to be a disgusting human being <laughs> no, like, <laughs> i i don't know anything about him or not personally but like everything i've read everything he says his like sycophantic after show performances his Ugh. performance here in this show his he has this way of talking where he it seems like he's fake smiling all the time. It, right, it's yeah. just this smug, shitty face on him, and I find him to be extremely annoying and arrogant. And he has this entire scene with Corey that I don't understand why it exists. I don't understand why you do this other than to throw a bone to Wheaton because he's been doing the uh, after show stuff for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. He has no moment with Picard. He has no moment that means anything in context of the story. And it brings up this callback to this Simon Earth thing where the only thing I found interesting about this episode is the idea that an alien species finds themselves to be the greatest moral barometer of the galaxy and they determine the fate of people in places all over the galaxy, which is upsetting and so like the ultimate like babying of characters. And it's not treated as if there's like an argument about free will or whether or not people want to do it. It's just taken for granted that you need this sort of guardian angel figure standing over you, interfering in things like an active prime directive violation. They, they deliberately guide history in a way. And it just, that just seems like morally, disturbing to me and it's weird that the show doesn't care about any of this stuff and it's also weird that it's just a pointless stupid scene with a terrible actor and a pointless dialogue that the two have between them yeah no that scene was horribly written um because i had no idea i mean i knew based on what i had watched in the show but based on what he said to her i had no fucking clue what he was talking about yeah with his because like, traveler like, backstory i mean yeah, he's like, I'm a traveler, and we travelers are ones who are really, you know, we're more like guardians, and what we guard is the fabric of time, but we are also watchers, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Who are you? Why are you telling me about a cosmic blanket that I can't pull on? Yep. And just, yeah, conceptually, you've got this, I mean, if you really look at what the the real theme of this show, this season is... It's that fate is inescapable. Yes. And you, you better, and, it's better off to accept it because you right. can't escape it. Right. And it's like, if you look at it from that point of view, it's very cynical. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you would think that these characters would be the ones who would be like, no, that's we don't have to, to fall down this path. Like, these, these are the characters who everything goes according to fate. And, you know, after you get past the divergence and they're like, fuck, we blew it. It was it's fate that this happens, and then Picard's like, "No, that's ridiculous," and finds a new way to fix it because you, you're not a slave to fate. You don't have to be this. Uh, you you're not a slave to decisions that you haven't made yet. Like that, that's so much more. Feels like the essence of a character like Picard. Yeah, not just this thing where it's like, yes, even even unkillable aliens will die eventually, and I just have to deal with it. Yeah, your mother's. Oh, we can't. We we have to 
I have someone watching over me, so I have to do exact. I, I, I cannot move off the path of my destiny, otherwise they're going to knock me back in line. Yes. And to, to make sure the fabric of the fucking universe doesn't unravel. Give me a fucking break, man. Yeah. That's, not, that's not hopeful. No. You know? Well, it's the... Because I think it's the approach to the material. Because I think there's something to be said for... There's something to be said somewhere, buried somewhere in what Q is teaching Picard, which is that um, it's not your fault, sort of, that things have happened, and you shouldn't dwell on it. I mean, I think all of this is undercut because Picard has not been dwelling on this as a character except for this series, so it, it like undermines its point immediately by saying that. But mm-hmm. I think there's something to the fact of like things will happen, and you kind of have to make the best of it. What I think is upsetting about this storyline is more that there is a force that's working on you and you you can't right. you can't it's not just that like nature happens and things happen. The show is saying that godlike beings are forcing things upon you and it's better just to shut up and deal with it because they have a better plan in their mind which is a semi-religious argument I suppose but it it f- seems to fly in the face of what Star Trek would be about and it seems to fly in the face of what these characters are supposed to be doing when they care about the timeline and they're in a timeline travel time travel story going back because they want to take control of things the ultimate takeaway should be something better than you don't really have any control about any of this stuff because that doesn't work with the concept of like the time travel aspect of the show so again why go back in time if that's your point yeah and speaking of going back in time uh, can you explain to me now that we've seen the whole thing mm. what anything that happened on the Stargazer had to do with the alternate timeline at the beginning like, of why, the show or the end of the yeah at uh, the beginning of the show why why was that the flashpoint like, because what, the what caused the split because they had to get to I I don't want to get to your point too quickly unless you want to get there now and talk about but they had to get to that area where they are right now because of the thing that happens at the end of the episode. But like, how does that, I, I don't, I don't understand how that triggers anything that happens after it, other than the fact that Agnes needs to be the Borg queen. How that triggers them going back in time. <clears throat> you mean? Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, the thing goes off, Q snaps his fingers, and then all of a sudden Picard's in this alternate future where everything is shitty, right? Yes. How how does anything that happened on the, in the, on the Stargazer up to the point where the Stargazer explodes manifest this alternate timeline that is now this alternate future that Q has snapped Picard into? I see what you... So I, it's just a narrative crutch of they need to be there, right? Like, it, it's... It's it's not a thought out decision as to why they're on the stargazer, and they kind of retroactively fix it in this episode as to explaining why the characters in the show need to be there. But in terms of a narrative, if I'm understanding what you're asking, there's no reason for them to have to go to that situation in order to go back in time to do any of this stuff. Yeah, I I guess I guess what I'm getting at is like what on the stargazer predicates the divergent timeline in 2024. Nothing. So, I think it's just a time travel nothing, right? conundrum because once they go back, they have to cause the events that will lead to that. You know what I mean? So it's it's this right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah, it's fun, it's cool that Q has snapped them into this alternate timeline that necessitates going back to fix. But given the stuff we're given in the show, those two things are not connected. Correct. 
that, that comes and, down to how, how much does Q know about what he's doing is the ultimate problem. Though. Right, yeah. right. Which leads into my fix. Mm. But we won't get there quite yet. <laughs> we have a little bit more to go. A little bit more um, My favorite, my, my sort of uh, air quotes favorite scene in this was uh, I liked Soong at the lunch pad. <laughs> because <laughs> the woman's like, well, you know, the astronauts are about to blast off, so it's, you know, it's kind of a bad time. He's like, does my fucking money mean nothing to you people? And she goes, oh, all right. <laughs> and then she goes, I'll bring you over. And then he goes upstairs, and she's like, well, uh, I think she, she might be in there getting dressed. And he looks at her, he goes, you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> well, you're right, sir. I mean, we did have her in quarantine for three days specifically, so there'd be no contamination. But yeah, I guess you're right. You should probably go in there and just spit on her and talk while you're talking. What the hell? He gave a lot of money. I guess that was the ultimate point of why he was donating all that money my, to that group. My favorite part about that bit, which is you know, one of the example, small examples of how the story doesn't actually matter to them is uh, how did he beat them there? He was in France. Yeah. How did he beat Captain Picard, who has access to <clears throat> Talon's transporter device? How did he beat him from France to California, <laughs> wherever the hell the, the think, launch was yeah, going from? He doesn't have Texas a transporter, right? Florida. No, I don't think so. There's but, no, there's no reason that he should have been able to get there. Well, that undermines the whole ending. Why doesn't Talon just beam him out of there? Instead yeah, of great question. There's no great question. No reason for her to die. Are the nope. the only reason Talon dies is that she has to live up to this idea of one run one day has to die and one has to live. And honestly, fate, fate, you gotta gotta. Fate is is the lord of everything. You can't escape. Right. It. You have to you have to create a situation where fate's riddle makes sense by the end of it, and this is the way you do it. Honestly, I'm not I'm not patting my I'm, it's not really patting myself on the back, but I was a little underwhelmed. I thought my solution last episode was actually better than what they gave us here in terms of how they wrap this up, <laughs> um, which is a little bit self-aggrandizing. But I was not very impressed by that wrap up there, which is just that one Renee is a cost like a holographic costume that has to die when she could just beam soon out of there and there's no danger right. whatsoever. It's or like yeah, when he comes up when you're like, oh Dr. Sung, it's good to see you. And he comes over, just punch him in the fucking nuts or something. Yeah, just <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason that you have to that you have to die for this. Other soon craziness. Why why do they go to his house and think the voice recording is him? Was that the reason they thought he was in the house because he had recorded? I a hundred percent knew that's what was coming too. And as I was <laughs> as I was thinking, it's like they can't be doing this. This is so fucking stupid. Why they did can't he be do falling that? for the old uh, the the he, he Ferris Bueller them? I couldn't believe. But why? That a, whole why scene, does that work? And B, how does Soong know that that will work on them? That is insane. I, I don't know. That's crazy. That whole scene was absolutely baffling and like <laughs> the drones when he is piloting the drone <laughs> oh even before that i'm like so okay you can't first of all they find the drones the drones haven't launched yet my first thought was why are you even trying to get control of them just smash them with something yeah, yeah oh you them. can't do yeah. that because because it's attached they'll, they'll blow up okay stand back <laughs> <laughs> Throw a rock and shoot them. <laughs> yeah, throw a rock at it. <laughs> Have it blow up. No problem. 
That was, but instead, no, they got to have a bomb defusing thing, and then they got to keep it in control of it, and then one of them has to fly into the other ones. I'm telling you, man, I think my solution from last episode was better. He should have just hit her with his car. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <clears throat> well, there, and, and for the the um the drone sequence is such a great example of modern Trek's action sequences filmed in a way that it's inescapable to to view how stupid they are which is yeah. that he's chasing them, you know, pretending to fly a drone to chase these things. It's over in a matter of seconds. This sort of, the, uh, our life is on the line. This is all coming down to this moment is built up to this point. And then Rios just runs his drone into the other drones. He's lucky he chose the toughest drone out of all of them because yeah, otherwise <laughs> he'd be in trouble. But he picks the one that can smash through all the other ones before it itself blows up and then they solve it. But it's so, it's so small and... Like it's it's like it's you just you just come across like unfulfilled. You're like, is that it? Like, is this all yeah. that this is going to come out of this story right here? It's 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 hard to not see the the metaphor there. But it's like you leave the scene just going like that was pretty disappointing. What just happened there? That was too short, and there was not enough of stuff that I was looking for. And I can't believe it all built up to this moment, and it doesn't pan out. And it's weird they do it all the time in these shows all the time it's weird yeah and i after after they um preserved the launch i checked the time and i was like that was like 15 minutes yeah the the thing they've been driving to the whole season they solved that problem in like 15 minutes it was yeah. it was <laughs> <clears throat> what the hell else up happens in this before we get to the end sorry i didn't mean to interrupt <clears throat> no i mean that's that's pretty much all i had to say about that it was just like all the soon stuff landed about as well as we expected it to. It was just kind of a wet fart. And then yeah, he's, he's Corey, a terrible character. Corey, Corey wipes out his hard drive from the fucking library. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, this guy has <laughs> top level genetic research and he doesn't have like a flash drive with this stuff on it. No, it's all, it's all just, it's just all on the, the, just solid on, the state drive drive. on his computer. <laughs> yeah. It's all in the C drive. Which she could access from a library through a VR headset and just wipe it off the face of the earth. Okay. Can we talk about Project Khan for a second? Sure. Is, I actually didn't know what I wanted to talk about, but yeah, go ahead. I don't I don't know either, because I'm not I because I don't know what this show does and doesn't acknowledge as stuff that has actually happened as as we know it. I don't know if Project Khan is supposed to be something that already happened in reference to like the eugenics wars from it the is. 90s. It's, the file is dated nineteen ninety six. Okay, sorry, I didn't see that because knowing this show, the way I looked at it was like, oh, is is he going to build Khan now? Is that what the plan is here? But that, in my mind, I, I knew yeah. I knew that that happened in the '90s, so there's no way that that could be the case. No, but yeah. I don't know with this show because they just pull things out of their ass when they need it, and you know, a con is one of those things where it's like, well, what's a good button for the Sing story, the uh, the Sung story? Ooh, what if he has like a file about Khan? Everybody likes Khan, right? That's yeah. pretty foreboding. He's like, a geneticist. Yeah, sure. yeah. So what does that mean so, for the future? So your problem here, Clay, is that you're watching this show thinking that this is actually written by professional television writers. So what you're doing is you're thinking that when a character takes a briefcase out and looks at it, it is inspiring him to do something in the future, right? That's that's like the mm-hmm. that's what the the tone of that is supposed to be. So if you don't notice the date. You make your assumption. It's like, is he going to start? Is he working on this con project? Is he going to do something like that? To my understanding, all this does is it provides the canonical link that gives Arik Sung 
information about the the eugenics program in the Enterprise episodes. Yeah, that's that, what I was thinking too. But I was like, that's such a deep cut. Well, it's also I, pointless. There's no reason right. to make that it's, connect. There's no reason to. It is also like 400 years from now. <laughs> there's no reason to film that scene to have him take it out do multiple camera setups to film what he's looking at just to pass the torch to Arik Sung in the future. It doesn't make any sense. It's a, a waste of time because, as you're saying, Khan has already happened. And to further confuse the point about Khan, they don't talk about him in this universe. And it's not like I'm, I want every single Star Trek show to talk about him, but this his character is built around the Khan idea. It's the same right. thing. Yeah, And he's happened 20 years ago in the timeline of this show. So instead of talking about made-up Shenzhen things that even Memory Alpha doesn't even know what it means, the blurb on it is like he violated it, we don't know what that means, why not have it bring up some kind of eugenics war connection there? Right, right. And and it all fills in the blanks for itself. And even, even if you don't know what the eugenics war is, the eugenics war... You can fill in the blanks in your mind if you don't know what the hell they're talking about because it's clear right, in the title right. as to what that means. It's weird. Imagine imagine if Sung had some dialogue where he talked about how, you know, not entirely dissimilar to, uh, uh, what's his name, Idris Elba from uh, Star Trek Beyond. Oh, Bar- but he Balthazar, had some, or whatever his Balthazar, name is. Balthazar, yeah. yeah. Uh, imagine if he had some dialogue where he was like, you know, tw- 25 years ago, everybody turned to me for the answers during the eugenics wars. I was the, on the front line of this stuff and now I'm a pariah right. and I I I can't even I can't even figure out a way to make my daughter not con- con- continuously die <laughs> space cancer every time I build a new one. You know, but like that gives him some some like he's got like an angle to him. Yeah, he's got he's grounded. a thing that he he's grounded, he's got an emotional need and want for respect or whatever or however you want to extrapolate that out instead of just like yeah, he's got a daughter who's sick, and then one day he's if if he kills this lady, he's gonna be like king or something. I really <laughs> haven't really explained it. <laughs> that was the weirdest connection, and I I think that what you're right is that they're trying to imply the connection between the ecological stuff through his shielding that he does somehow, and that's awful. That's I mean that's yeah that's not, does, that's almost worse than the ice stuff. Honestly, how does ecological climate safety shit lead to Nazi planet. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, in the, it's just, I mean, not to draw, like not to come back to it, but it's like, I think it's just this like hyperventilating political aspect that they have to this stuff where it's like in the minds of, I think in the minds of some people, I think they, I think they would equate those two. They're, they're like not disconnected. It's like climate change is a big enough threat where if it happens, all governments will fall apart in this way. And it's the same with mm-hmm. ICE. It's like, it's it's this hyperbolic, overstated thing about like the the problem with no real nuance to it. It's just, it's weird that Soong's connected because he has no connection to it whatsoever. And it's more, I wish they had just left the global warming climate change and never brought that up because then I would just like, oh, he's a megalomaniac or whatever. But they, they so explicitly connect the two that you have to go, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Why would people turn yeah. to this guy for this situation? Well, you know, the show just likes pulling stuff out of their ass when they feel like it's necessary. Before we get get into the, the end here, the, the massive ass pull. Uh, yeah, I, I have um, one other topic too, but you go ahead first. I want to talk about Seven for a minute. Yeah, let's talk uh, about all the characters to this point. Yeah. But we'll start with Seven, but I, I want to also touch on... Um, 
really just Rios and Girardi are the two outside of seven that I think are most interesting. Rafi and Elnor don't really interest me, so we can start with seven. Yeah. I don't understand what the people who wrote this show think seven of nine is. Yeah. Because you've got her, so she starts off the show as she has been since her inception where she's a, a former Borg who still has Borg shit implanted in her and it's a constant source of stress and trauma for her. And so you put her in this situation where she's in an alternate hist, alternate future, alternate present, whatever, where she was never a Borg, and so she doesn't have those implants. And then she goes back into the 21st century where she's just normal, and she likes being normal. That's an interesting story. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to do with her. Then you have the life-saving measure after she gets fucking stabbed or whatever be that she gets reassimilated by the Borg, the absolute single most traumatic thing that has ever happened to her in her life. You force her to go through it again against her will in order to save her own life, which if you asked her, she'd probably just say, let me fucking die. Right. And then at the end of this episode, because everybody needs to be happy, <laughs> Rafi, Rafi says to her, so uh, are you doing better regards to the Borg shit? <laughs> oh, you do no, you doing you doing okay regardless doing right of the right shit. There. And she turns and kind of gives her a knowing smile and goes, Maybe better than okay. I ha- what the fuck are they talking? <laughs> what does that mean? I, like w- there's no story there. Like there's no. no there's nothing. You just turned her back into this character because you needed to write the ship for some reason. Yeah. And what's well, what they did and, in season one, to be fair. It's it's the recurring thing that you know, she in season one she joins the Borg cube, repowers them up, and then just disconnects from it with no... Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't I don't know how you have this character... You, you start this character down that road and then end up where they do and have her just be, like, even better than she was before. Like, she somehow made peace with the fact that she's part Borg, which yeah. she didn't, because if she did, it was, <laughs> it was all internally and she never talked about it or they never showed it. Well, and just because, you know... Because Rios decided to stay in the past, she gets a battlefield commission because she couldn't get into Enterprise. She couldn't get into the Federation before because she was a Borg and they didn't like Borg. But now Picard's like, you, sit in that chair, tell everyone what to do. And she's like, you know what? (laughs) Being a Borg is okay. (laughs) Especially now that the Borg are friendly. I feel a lot better about this. Well, I I think the seven thing ties into the Jurati thing in some ways because I, I just, I really find this show to be morally confused about what it's talking about like that thing that was on twitter where they're like what what skill would you bring to the borg it's like what the hell what 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 kind of (laughs) that borg recruitment (laughs) poster but you're supposed to be like the borg was fucking greenpeace or something (laughs) it's it's well it's not even a it's not even an uncle sam propaganda thing where it's parroting that they sincerely are asking what would you bring into this forced collective, because here's the thing that I don't really understand. What do they think the Borg are when their solution does not seem to result in a way that you are not a hive mind cyborg at the end of it? it right. Like, well, they, they say, let's build an, uh, a world of sevens. What do they think seven is? Seven is someone who has escaped that and has become her own person. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's explicitly not part of that anymore yeah it, it, i would if Girardi 
was not half cyborg at the end of this, I would be left going, I wonder what kind of Borg collective she built. We don't see any other Borg and stuff like that. But she is Borg technology with just a different outlook on things. And at that point, I don't know what the writers of this show think is the better thing there. It's like, it's, it's this sort of, they just believe that this end goal of being happy and healing your trauma is worth whatever trade-off comes from that. That's the only thing that matters. So giving up your right. free will, giving up your drive, giving up this idea that you have any control over anything is worth something and something you should strive for to become more of like a full person. It's to give it up to anything that's out there, be it these space gods, be it the travelers, be it Wesley Crusher, be it the Borg who do whatever they do. And that that's a win by the end of it. I'm very, that's very confusing to me. It doesn't seem like that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think that the show really understands what the Borg are. They think the Borg are scary because they have these horror sequences from them. But that's, again, that's not the point of what that's scary about. And that's just dovetails into the Girardi thing. Like Girardi and Rios are the same to me in that I could see a better written show where these character endings are meaningful and have something to do. But as it stands now, they're clearly just writing characters out of the show because they know what they're doing in the third oh, yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rios chooses to stay in the past. Which makes sense. After we, being, we predicted that. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're just going for like, what's the emotionally up ending you can give this character. The only thing he can Re- do is to go back and time. Yeah. <clears throat> Regardless of the actual series of events that he's lived through, which involved him getting uh, Fair. Ar- arrested and possibly deported. You know what? Probably going to happen again because he's from the future and has no papers whatsoever. No, it's hard to get papers. Um, yeah, and I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's also like he spent a combined like f- f- 10 minutes, 15 minutes of screen time with that woman. Yep. Um, but yeah, Gerardi. <laughs> so, I think her name is Teresa and her child, uh, yeah, Dan or something. I, can't I, I am shocked that that child did not do something integral to the to the plot, like well, fire the phases fixed, or something. He or, fixed uh, global warming. Oh, that's true. That's true. He fixes global off warming screen. off screen and, and dies <laughs> two hundred years ago. Um, but I mean, talk about timelines not mattering and, and only using things for, for their emotional weight and not actually any narrative sense. What is the state of the Borg? Because as she's not crossing timelines, right? There's two Borgs. That's my. I think it's so what I, is that yeah. the deal? I think that's what's so, happening. They don't mention it, but so I she's been off building her own Borg collective. Yes. While all of the other Borg stuff was actively happening that we've witnessed in the past thirty years. Yeah, it's interesting. In Trek Core, the reviews have taken to calling it a Borg cooperative. Which is interesting. This is all like just political language. Collective and cooperative are the same thing. I think that might actually stem from Red Letter Media because one of them said, I I bet you they're going to call it the cooperative. Oh, maybe maybe they're saying saying it. uh, Yeah, they might just be adopting that. Yeah. I don't think they call them that in this, but I don't think they call themselves the collective either. But it's one of those things where it's like, well, so there's two kinds of Borg out there, but they're all based on the same technology, so they should be able to sense each other, right? Yeah, you think queens would talk to each other. Yeah, unless she did come from an alternate time, but I don't think she did. No, she waited. 
Well, that that I, this comes down to this is all just plot mechanics of are there two timelines at that point anymore, or did Agnes right. go into the evil timeline to cross over, which does not seem to be the implication. The show seems to be implying that one timeline exists now because all information crams into the same timeline at this point where Guinan uh, knows everything. Gerardi's just been off doing something, creating a new Borg, and there's no yeah. there's no alternate history at this point that affects anything. Right. Like, you know, you've got the big emotional scene where Picard puts the key back into the wall. And yes. then Q is like, got to make sure that everything lines up for young Picard. And I'm like, how's he going to explain the soldiers whose faces are sticking out of the walls of the basement of his house? <laughs> A lot of butterfly effects. Was that the episode or was the one prior where I, I sort of laughed out loud at the end of one of these? Picard, it must have been the previous one. Picard's like, we can't impact the timeline. It's like, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late, John Luke. I think yeah, Rios, Rios is like, well, I've got all the things that could possibly show that something weird in the timeline has happened minus uh all of the other shit that they've caused to go down uh the the mercenaries who are inhuned in the rock in the basement uh, various other things it's like uh, yeah i think you're kind of i think you're kind of sweeping the deck of the titanic here yes yeah. everything's clean do you want to get to the end then yes <clears throat> yeah do you need setup so, or do you, you just want to if you want to describe well, the ending i think it's helpful too yeah so they make it back to uh we didn't even really talk about that scene with Q and Picard. Like I, I did you like the scene where where Q's essential like farewell scene? Is that the one where he's standing on the road or is it where they're sitting and talking to each other? When they're sitting and talking to each other. I thought it was fine, but it's the same fluffy, meaningless dialogue that the two have where I don't yeah. really feel that the characters are connecting with each other. I understand what the point of what Q's doing, although I don't understand Q's motivations. I like it because of the characters and I like it because of the actors, but it's it's another it's also this weird thing where even sitting down, Patrick Stewart is not asked to do a lot performance wise. Right. He, he right. just sits there and Q tells him a few things and then that's the end of it. And the show is kind of like when they have uh an elder person on dancing with the stars and basically all they do is just stand there and switch hands with their partner while the partner does all the crazy shit and they get high marks for it but the partner the partner is carrying the but i i didn't i thought it was fine for what it was it was not terrible but it was not something that i think you could even build to and say that this was worth doing by the end of it yeah yeah so anyway so everybody comes back on the stargazer right yes except for queen except for gerardi and rios and uh, so then the queen reveals herself as Agnes, and they're like, "Oh, hey, great to see you guys. That's that's cool." And they're like, what, "What what's going on? What are you doing here?" Yeah. And then Agnes tells them of a galactic extinction level event that's happening like twenty five yards out their window, essentially. Yep. Yep. And so she and then Raffi's like, "Click click click click. Oh my God, she's right. There's this thing that you can see from planets <laughs> that they has never come up." This has never come up through the show. It wasn't. It apparently wasn't there when they flew out the first time. There was no sensor readings of this shit the first time they flew out there in the Stargazer. This is a, a wholly created thing for them to do. Yes. This it's is like the reason, it's not even... This is the reason that they are drawn to this area that we were somewhat cryptically talking about at the start. So the reason that the Stargazer appears in the first episode at this area of space is because this is where this galactic destroying event is happening and Agnes knows about it. 
Right, but nobody else knows about it at, at that time. They're Correct. drawn there because of Agnes, yes. because of the Borg. Even though this thing is is happening, like it's it's already going. It's about it's a volcano about to erupt. Like the signs are there. It's massive. It's cosmic. You can see it from your house. Yes. They make no mention of it until the last fifteen minutes of the show, yep. and then they're like, "All right, let's cross the streams." This thing belches out a a, a line of fire. Um, <laughs> we block it. We block it because <laughs> because our aim was good and we, <laughs> we ended up in exactly the right spot. And uh, then it turns into this trans warp. What's it called? Uh, trans conduit. Trans, trans warp conduit. Trans warp conduit. Bunch of uh, foreboding um, cryptic talk about something that might be coming through it on the other side. Blah, yep. blah, blah, the blah. Borg are going to stand guard, though. They're going to stay. Yes, there. the Borg are part of the Federation. Oh, my God. Isn't everybody happy that the Borg are part of the Federation? <laughs> Don't we feel like we've earned that? I can certainly feel but, you can trust them. They're, yeah, they've done nothing. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, like, as I'm watching this, this thing, this massive galactic level, extinction level event shows up in the last 10 minutes of the show just to have them give them something to do yeah this is what, something to team up with yeah before you get to your your point i just want to like i don't think we've hit home enough this is terrible 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 writing it's astoundingly yes. awful it's it's so it's almost so egregiously bad that i feel you don't even really need to talk about it because it's so utterly pointless to the end of it but to introduce the drive like i thought it was funny because this whole time uh, one of your points that we've been going through this has been like, how are they going to wrap this up? Like, how do you connect these yeah. things that you get to this point where all of the timelines merge and people come back and there's a reason for them to merge again at the end of the story? And we're like, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work, Clay. Well, here it is. You just invent <laughs> some bullshit in the last second and you say, oh, actually, we came over to put this fire out and you look out your window and it's like, you know, the California wildfire pictures are out your out your out the glass window it's so it's in, it's it's insulting really is the thing that it is it's so lazy and insulting to an audience but that's my take on it and you can then you can go to your, your it solution is. it is you're 100% correct however i have a fix dun, and when dun, i tell dun. you what it is you're going to be mad that they didn't do this okay so <clears throat> bear with me here um so i was saying earlier what does anything that, uh, on the Stargazer have to do with anything else? Why does Q need to snap them out of there? Why do they have to go back and make sure that this happens? Blah, 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 blah. These things don't seem connected, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we've got a story here where uh, Picard causes, because he doesn't know Agnes is the Borg Queen, he blows up these ships, ostensibly killing the Borg and the Federation, and then this galactic-level event happens, and everybody dies, right? Right. So... Q snaps him out of there. As we go through this, we find out Q is sick. Q is dying. Sorry, are He's you rewriting? Of, are you rewriting I'm, this? I, I'm just no, no. I'm just telling you everything that happens in the show. Oh, okay. So, but to end yeah, your so, galactic level event, do we know that the galactic level event has fired at this point, or is this relevant to me? I'm just trying to trying to see if I need to know it, that. Ideally. The galactic level event would be a known quantity at the start of the show. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. Gotcha. Okay. So Q snaps him out of there. 
he's being all cryptic about shit. And he's like, I came to you. You're the person who needs to do this. You got to go fix things. He sends him back in time. We find out Q's dying, right? This is all stuff that happened in the show. Yep. Um, Q sends them on this path to get to the point where Picard and Agnes can stop for a second, realize who each other is, and then stop this event. And why is Q here? They send, he sends it back in time. We're thinking, what the hell is Q doing in the show? He just keeps popping up. We don't understand why he's motivating any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. However, what I'm saying is, they get back, after all this happens, Q has his final scene, right? And he snaps them back. And when they find, they go towards this galactic level event, they recognize what this galactic level event is because Q is the first villain who ever showed up in Star Trek The Next Generation. He's an unkillable god. He's a collective. He's something that death doesn't even, he doesn't even understand that it can happen. Right. So what would that look like? It might look a lot like a galactic level event. Mm-hmm. So this galactic level event <laughs> is actually literally Q dying. Yeah. And he knows that it's happening and he has to re- and he knows that if it happens, he is going to destroy the entire galaxy. So right. he has to reach out to the only person that he knows he can reach out to, Jean-Luc Picard, to put him into a position where he can team up with Agnes in order to stop his death from destroying the entire galaxy. I see. So that in- that is the reason that he motivates everything to go back in time to cause those two things to happen at that point to get back to the present yep. where they need to be. And and on top of that, not only does it kind of make stuff make sense, I mean, it's not bulletproof, but it's mm. better than they did. You also, you get a, fu- a fucking supernova level death scene for one of the greatest <laughs> Star Trek characters who ever existed yeah. instead of having him snap his fingers and he just disappears from the show. Yeah. No, you know, I, like imagine, yeah. imagine Picard standing there on the bridge of the Stargazer, looking out at this thing happening and recognizing, like, oh, we've got, we understand. It's, it seems to be the Q continue, and, it, and he realizes that this is his friend who he just had that talk with. Yeah, a, a god level creature. This is what it looks like when he dies. This right. is the unknown that he was talking about. He is actively tearing a hole through the through the t- time space continuum or some shit like that. Yeah, like that would be. Pretty affecting, I think, for for Picard. It would be affecting, <laughs> and for, for the people watching it. Yeah, it w- it would be affecting for Picard. I like this mostly because it motivates. It it gives it gives Q a reason to send Picard back in time, and it sort of motivates all of the actions that have to happen to lead to that point where the Borg have to be developed and they have to work with um, the Starfle- Starfleet in the future. And it also gives them a reason why. The, the whole time travel back in time gives the time for the Borg Collective to work itself. Like, you need to have that time generate to, to build things mm-hmm. in that way. It's, mm-hmm. um, I think that, I think it's, I think it's obviously, it's a good solution. I think that, as you're saying, it doesn't fix everything because you get to this point where ultimately what's being undone here is that this is yet another example of things happen because a character just doesn't say what's happening with it right right and i i don't think that's a problem with your take it's a problem inherent with the setup that they do here where yeah. mm-hmm. it even ties into gerardi in the first episode why doesn't she just explain what's going on yeah why at, doesn't she take her fucking helmet off right at, at that moment and say i know this is weird but we went ba- i guess they have to yeah. go back in time for that to happen but she's already there so it's already happened at that point yeah uh, yeah but I, I like your solution. I, I think it's a better exit for Q at that point. Right. I mean, at the very least, it's a it's an exit worthy of Q. 
Yes. And you know, like I said, you know, it's not it's not perfect, but Picard I think still it, suffers, a, I think. Like Picard's what Picard is supposed to learn from that story is a little bit not that what they did was good, but I don't think you can even involve his mother in it because it makes no sense whatsoever at that yeah, point. Yeah, I like getting into that shit. I when in that that talk that they have at the end when he's like I needed you I needed you to absolve yourself yep. so you could have a fresh slate for what's yep. coming or something. Being like, a okay, 95 what? year old man is a good Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like and and also on top of that, to go through all that shit with Talon and then at the end he does they, Laris, they don't even kiss? No, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. She's leaving. I don't know. Is she leaving or is that is that implied that she's staying at the end? Great question. Are th- these are the questions that they leave us with that we can't wait to have answered well, next season. My, my the, To go back to the galactic level event, and I like your solution, I was, I was very concerned, and I don't even know if it's a good thing that they did this because I don't know if it's objectively a better story. I When it got to the end and the galactic level event was revealed, it was such new information so late in the show that I said, mm-hmm. this is the fucking cliffhanger. They're going to cliffhang on this thing. Right, and they didn't right. do it, interestingly, which I am well, appreciative of. Technically, they did. Not in the way that you're saying, but I well, mean... There can't the, be Gerardi in the third season. We know that, right? So you're not going to see the board. Oh, that's right. She's not... Yeah, she's not in it. So the Borg That's are not going to be brought up again. I think they're just going to stay there and guard well, the thing. Yeah, unless whatever the thing is that comes through it comes in and fucking ices the entire Borg. Maybe, maybe I should say the Borg, Gerardi won't be in it. Maybe the Borg will right, be. Right, but right. in that yeah. sense, like you're not going to have the Gerardi scene in season three where she's like, we've been standing guard for seven years and nothing has come through the thing. That's done, which is right, good to know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I have to imagine that that thing is playing some part no i'd bet no i'd say no really has nothing to do with anything i think really yeah i so okay the reason that i i have to think that it does is because of what gerardi says which is we we want to stand guard here because of what might be on the other side and then in that conversation that q has with picard they intimate or imply that there's something else coming there's something bigger coming that picard needs to I don't know, purify himself for or some shit, Mm -hmm. you know? So I I have to imagine that that is, it's the only thing that makes any of that shit worth it. Because if they don't use it, then I a hundred percent agree with you that, I mean, I I still agree with you, but even more so that it's just like the worst writing. Yeah. I, it'd be interesting to see. I view it. I, I think I'm used enough to the show's writing now where I viewed it as, they're going to give a vague excuse as to why she can't leave just to get her out of the show. Um, in, a, in a way, it's just kind of a grander version of what Rios does, which is that mm-hmm. they'll just say that this is the reason he has to stay and that's what he does. This is the reason Gerardi has to be off the show at this point is because the Borg saying that they don't know what's coming through is just kind of a, a rationale for them to join the Federation at the end. It's it, Because if there's nothing coming through... It feels weaker to say we should join the Federation. They go, why? Like, what does it what does it matter? But here, if they think that they're guarding against something, it gives you a strategic reason to mesh the two together. Right. I could be right. totally no, wrong, I, but I don't know. I think you I think you're right. I mean, it is there as a motivating factor to have them join join the Federation. But I, if that's all they do with it, then I don't. Man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean. 
maybe I'm just being optimistic because the last thing I want, I don't want anything from season three because I hate this goddamn show. But like if, <laughs> if season three is the TNG crew goes into war mode against an incoming Borg invasion or something, mm-hmm. that's just not, that's not a good final send off for these guys, is it? No, no. It's terrible. I mean, that's basically what Nemesis was. Yeah, with the Romulans. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like the Borg have just been beaten down to nothing. And if it's not some super galactic, and, and I don't want to, like, I just want them to play poker or something and talk about dying. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just do the thing that Star Trek always does with that stuff. Yeah. Have we seen the Picard era Enterprise yet? Because I don't think we have, right? Because no, we have not. Riker, Riker was the captain on the Titan. Yep. Right. Yep. Still. So I mean, that's happening. Obviously, the Titan will make a live appearance. I would assume. Yeah. No, I mean the Enterprise. I mean, if you're bringing everybody back, they got. Oh, you think they're going to go on the actual Enterprise? I would be shocked if they don't have them on the bridge of Enterprise F or whatever. Ooh, do they have the balls to do that? They, but they, they've been so avoiding. Starfleet with this series. I can't see them going well. Um I guess it depends. It's gonna be Star Trek three. They're gonna have to steal the Enterprise to go I don't know, pick up data on it's, in the lair of Osiris it's in the just underworld. Been, or it's been a big part of the Picard series that it's kind of outside of Starfleet. You know? Right. It's yeah. like the first one was he is on that little shitty La Serena freighter thing that's flying around. This one, um, he's on a Starfleet ship at the start, but it's in the past for the vast majority of the runtime. Mm-hmm. And maybe they will just do a like a um a treat to the fans or something, or a Valentine to the fans or something and put it on the Enterprise. I don't know. We're done with this season of Star Trek Picard, which was miserable. Um <laughs> is this the worst season of I was I mean, right now in our rankings, TNG season one is my lowest worst season. We don't rank the modern tracks, obviously, but of the original ones, the TNG one is the worst TNG season one is the worst. I would say that this is worst. I can worse. I can see no reason why I would ever watch this again. Yeah. Like I, I literally struggled to come up with a re- even if the Patreon doubled and it was like rewatch it, I'd say I'm not gonna do that. That's not <laughs> happening to me. Um bar set, my friend. <laughs> well we'll we'll set it a little bit higher. Triple and I would say no. Um I think I thought this was the worst. I think it's it's not as big a leap. How about to say this? So it's a giant leap from this the Discovery and Picards to the modern series, and then the better of the modern series are a little bit beyond, uh, or the better of the uh, the '90s series. So w- let me say that again. There's a mm-hmm. big gulf between the modern tracks and the '90s and original series, and this is at the back of the modern tracks, but it's not so far back that it's its own thing really, to me. Um, okay. I think this is the worst season of Star Trek that I've ever seen. I think this is the worst of the modern Trek Star uh, seasons that I've seen. But it's not it's not uniquely awful in any way. It's just okay, the worst example of what modern Trek does. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if Tasha Yar was in this, maybe I would say it would be just as good mm. as season one. But I would watch season one of TNG... A hundred times I would watch before the, I watch this again. <laughs> there's at least some fun in that, the, how bad that was. There's just nothing fun. There's here. there's fun and there's like there, there's a feeling out period. 
uh, or feeling up period, depending on what yeah. episode you're watching. <laughs> but it like, whereas this is just so miserable. And even the, the high points, which is like, you could have John Delancey read the fucking phone book and it would be engaging. Yeah. But aside from him, it's just a mess. And there's, there's nothing. I, I don't find anything redeeming about this season of the show at all. No. Like it just, and I mean, I don't know. Who knows how badly this was impacted by COVID? Um, because I assume that's when they were shooting it. Yes. I'm curious if 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 that is an explanation, then my prayers are with season three because they shot those things back to back. So season three was would... season three had a big shutdown during COVID. It had like 50, oh, 50 employees. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be the same thing. <clears throat> okay. Well. All right. Great. Um. But yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a lot of season three is a lot of like. Jordy, it's been good to talk to you. Let me walk into this other room and talk to Worf. Yes. A <laughs> <laughs> lot, of, lot of talking on screens and via holograms yeah, next season, yeah. I think. Um, but, like, it's just... Not only is it is it just so shoddily put together, but all of the recognizable elements have just been done better. It's all rehashed stuff. Yeah. And anything that's close to interesting, like... Are you going to watch season two of Star Trek Picard when you could watch Star Trek four? Right. No. Are you going to watch season two of Star Trek Picard when you could watch First Contact? No. No. You know? Tapestry for learning yeah. from the past. The uh, TNG episode where he learns about his heart thing is a better... Liter- and literal tapestry that yeah. Will Wheaton explains to us. Yes. Although I guess that's still a metaphorical tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch Will Wheaton's uh, farewell episode, Journey's End better than than that's yeah so uh, one thing i forgot to bring up when we were talking about him do you think obviously i based on that one scene i don't think that he has the juice left in the tank to pull this off um we're talking about wheaton still wheaton yes do you think that his presence in the show would have been more interesting if he had just been renee picard's watcher um so take talon out of the show completely and replace him with uh it would certainly Leslie. it would certainly add something that the talent character doesn't have and that they were trying to do by just casting the same actress in the role and right. trying to make that say something. I think, well, because what would the conflict be there? The conflict there is that the apprentice has outgrown the master and is now telling the master what to do with things. Mm-hmm. I think there's something interesting there. I find Wheaton just too insufferable. To have to yeah. watch him for that many episodes, but also it would be better. Also, based on on this show, when he showed up, I think part of the reason that I I had so much trouble tracking what he was talking about is because I assumed he was going to be like, "My name is Anton Crusher. I am from 2022, <laughs> and I am definitely not Wesley Crusher from the future. I just look exactly like him." I thought he was going to be another ancestor or something. Yeah. I didn't expect him to actually be Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it, I guess. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed at least the podcast coverage. I don't think anyone on the Discord has been happy with Picard Season 1, but we're moving on to Strange New Worlds, which on the Discord, at least, everyone has that bad, false first impression <laughs> where they're like, this is a good show. So we'll see I'll, We'll see what happens. I'll be honest there. with you. I watched the first episode tonight. Um, I enjoyed it. I have, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Okay. Uh, it, it has 
still has some hangover from the new Trek style, but um, it is it is nothing if a return to traditional Star Trek form. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, I haven't watched it yet. We'll we'll put the podcast out for that in a couple days. Just with our recording schedule right now is a little bit too also, busy to get the same day, but it'll be on a couple a, days. A plus costumes. Love the uniforms. Okay. Okay. They're they're taking they're taking some liberties with the the TOS era uniforms, and I love it. Okay. Big fan. Good. We'll have something to talk about then. So yeah, you guys can look forward to that in a couple of days. Sorry we couldn't get it out now, but it's a, it's a lot of TV. Uh, it's a lot of potentially awful TV, but I guess the second half wasn't that bad. But we had to get through Picard. I had to I had to wake up at f- like quarter to five this morning to watch that Picard oh, episode. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. If I, if I knew that, I would have canceled my plans it for was, tomorrow and we would have recorded at normal time. It was fine. I think it sort of dulled me to it or whatever. I, I was happy to get it over as well. I was just concerned that Paramount, the app, would start tracking me and real, be like, oh, this is a super fan we got here. We got to start giving him <laughs> the ads about more Star Trek. Cool. We're done. Well, Clay, thanks for joining me on this journey through Star Trek Picard season two, which was goddamn terrible. Terrible, yeah, terrible thank stuff. you for having me, and thank you for everyone who, who uh, <laughs> bared, bared with us and who allowed us to take the brunt for a show that they didn't want to watch. Yeah, would you, um, do you find this? I I don't watch a tremendous amount of TV, but outside of Star Trek, I found this to be one of the worst shows I've seen in a very long time. Man, so <laughs> I'll tell you, I. Uh, Maybe we could talk about this more in the next content consumption, but I've watched maybe three or four limited series in the recent past month or two months or so that are so much shockingly better than this. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it just makes, I, and I, I have lost, I don't watch a ton of like modern cbs level television yeah like so I, I can't television. tell it's hard, it's hard to, i don't either i haven't watched any of that yeah so i can't tell if this if picard is exceptionally bad or if those other shows are just exceptionally good mm. but like you know you got winning time which is fantastic on hbo barry's back barry's fucking amazing yeah uh severance on apple plus oh my god yeah unbelievable great show uh, we watched The Dropout on Hulu, which was really good. Uh, we watched Pam and Tommy on Hulu, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Like, there's great TV out there. And then there's this. <laughs> this is a... I was going to make the, the CBS argument, but this isn't CBS television, you know? This is... True. You're true. paying equal to what you pay for those other, other services for this show. Yeah, that's a good point. And, th- and this is actually not the only revenue for that network. They make ads on TV as well. So it's not mm-hmm. like this. It's not like HBO where this is the only sort of uh, money that you're getting a revenue or whatever, or Netflix or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Amy's watching Mad Men in the background and it's just like, she was like Shakespeare. I'm like, I watch it. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, Amy, what is this? What is this show where character motivations make sense? And I can like track what's happening with characters and yeah. stuff. It's strange. Yeah. That's it. We're done. That's a long one to go out on, but it's over. Star Trek Picard Season 2 says farewell with its final episode, which is called Farewell. I give it one out of five for the season, um, yeah. and that's it. We're done. Um, anything to go out on here? Just a final question for you, Clay. So mm. Season 3 is going to be the last season of this. What is one thing you hope happens in it 
And what is one thing you hope does not happen in it? Uh, I hope Beverly Crusher kicks down the bedroom door and says, get your hands off of my man. (laughs) That's definitely happening. There's no hope involved. So what's one Um, thing you don't want to happen? One thing I don't want to happen. Um, If you're thinking, I can go first, too. I'll give you the chance. Yeah, why don't you go first? I don't want the Borg in this at all. That's probably why I was fighting back against against you in the discussion earlier about whether or not the transwarp conduit means anything. I don't want the Borg anywhere near this. What I do want is each episode of the season, it can have a serial arc, but I would like on the serial arc, each episode of the season focuses on a closure aspect of the original cast that are going to be in it. Sure. That's yeah. all That's all I want. Just give it some kind of structure. It can be like a disco season two Red Angel thing where they're going to a weird planet each time as they're tracking down something in space and Jordy has his adventure and Worf has his. I just kind of want a nice laid back closure that does not upset the apple cart with the characters too much. Just give me one episode for each of them and then we'll see where it goes from there. That's all. That's my pipe dream. Um, do you think anyone aside from Picard might die? No. Yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't put it past them, but Picard is definitely going to die. Right. I don't know. I mean, probably. Yeah. Most likely. He should. They should turn. They should go DS nine on him and turn him into a Q. Yeah, he should or some or some leave. shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Just ascend him to the next plane of existence or something. Yeah, I, I always get. I always get slightly like I could see them writing characters off in a way that feels like a death, but they don't actually die. You know, like someone gets left behind on a planet because they bond with the nonprofit organization that runs there or something. You know, they, they, and they have like a, a kindred reaction and they want to stay, kind of like Rios in this one. But, Captain Admiral, it's great to see you again, but the the canned food drive on this planet is just <laughs> needs, I just have to stay. It needs some Klingon chutzpah. Um <laughs> I could see that happening in some ways. This is one of those things where um I kind of like the way that Nemesis ended for all of them, right? Where I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. At this point. Sure. You know, I, sure. I, I like that better than being specifically told, uh, like in the DS9 Riker with the Tom Riker, where he just gets imprisoned for life and you never see him again. It, that feels right. very sad in a weird way. I wish it was just a little bit more vague. I hope they don't get too specific with the characters. Just let them yeah. close yeah, I, it out. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's tough. out there in the I mean, ether somewhere. Man, talk about setting yourself a high bar. I, I still think best of, not best of both worlds, all good things is in like my top five best series finales ever. It's a tough one to top. And if you're bringing everybody back and they're going to be like part of the show and not just at the same lunchroom, having lunch across the hall and everybody waves, you got to have something interesting to say with them. And I just, I don't know. I don't have the faith that they have something interesting to say. That being said, I do want to see Denise Crosby. 